When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us out of the UK to talk the English rugby coach situation is freelance sports journo Joe Harvey. G'day, Joe. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, listen, thanks very much for giving us some time and talking to us. Uh, What is the feeling amongst the rugby public over in England about the axing of Eddie Jones 10 months out from the Rugby World Cup? Well, it's quite interesting because it felt like last week, you know, the consensus was a lot more for moving Eddie on. I mean, today what I've kind of noticed is as the day's worn on, people have gone, oh, England don't deserve nice things because Eddie did have like a 70, I think it was 73% winning record from his time as England head coach, you know, 81 tests, 59 wins, 20 losses and two draws. It's not a bad, you know, it's obviously not a bad record. Um, So it's quite an interesting one. Some people seem to think, you know, it was only 10 months more, see what happens because Eddie had been so kind of, proactive about saying I've got a plan to win the World Cup. Actually, that was the, the last line, you know, from a piece with Eddie that I did off the back of that All Blacks, um, and sorry, not the All Blacks defeat, the Springboks defeat um, at Twickenham where it ended with people booing the team off the field. So it's kind of, it's a weird place to be, but my my internal feeling and, and of, you know, quite a few people that I know is that it was time to move on. So it's quite an odd, it's quite an odd place to be. Do you think that they should have pulled the trigger uh, earlier, maybe after the last Six Nations? Because, I mean, he hasn't had a great uh, couple of last Six Nations and he's lost the Calcutta Cup back-to-back years. Um, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, like my personal opinion would have been that the, the best time to, to kind of move on and rebuild would have been post-2019 you know, Rugby World Cup. I know that sounds like a really silly thing to say because, you know, he signed a contract extension before then to take him to at least 2021. Um it, it's, I don't know. I mean, like international coaches, there's, there's a question out there. Maybe should they even get the four-year deals? Because players don't get four-year deals generally anywhere, um, as it is. Um, and and building for a cycle is something that we talk about so much. But how much does it actually equate when you know performances will dip and go up and down? Because if it was a player, you just move on, wouldn't you? You just find someone new in that position. But with with coaches, you have this thing of you know, it, it carries on. I mean, this is obviously the the changes in professionalism that we're seeing on a on a yearly basis that we start talking about these things. But my personal opinion would have been move them on a bit sooner, um, because you know Eddie said this himself when he was appointed in 2016 that he stayed too long at Australia, and now it's got to that point again where he stayed too long. People aren't particularly thrilled with him, and it's just built up to this point that the RFU have had to turn around and say we don't see the positives, especially as you say coming out of the Six Nations where they won you know, two or five games, third place in the table. Yes, Ireland and France were absolutely fantastic. But, you know, England was so far off the pace and it didn't really get any better. And obviously this autumn was was fairly catastrophic. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it wasn't a great autumn, was it? I mean, I, that All Blacks game, I think, felt like a victory for England, didn't it? Because it certainly felt like a defeat back here for the All Blacks. Uh, and I did wonder whether or not that might save him. Um, but then the, the Springboks uh, performance was just was was just absolutely dire. I guess the question is, where to for here 
uh, from here for England. I mean, was Warren Gatlin a serious contender in your opinion? I know he'd been talked about post a uh, couple of his Lions performances as a coach. Was he somebody that you think, uh, if Wales hadn't gone so early, might have been in contention? Um, potentially, yeah. I mean, it's one of those. I mean, I think Warren, uh, and I don't want to speak for him, I don't. I obviously don't know the man at all really that well. Um, I, I think his heart was always with Wales, personally. I mean, he was there for so long. It's also, maybe that's the part of the thing in my head where I'm like, I actually couldn't imagine Warren with a red rose on his on his jacket or anything like that. I don't know if that's part of it as well. But no, I, I, and also it was so sudden, wasn't it? The chat about Warren taking on the England job just came up for like two or three days and then suddenly died off again, possibly when Wales got in contact and said, actually, we are thinking about moving Wayne T back on and we we would like you to come in. Um, I think, I think, I think, Warren would have loved to have given it a go, but obviously he knows Wales so well and he wouldn't have to go back to relearning lots of things when it came to England. I mean, he, last time he coached in England with Wasps, was, oh God, it was years ago, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so, you know, he'd be having to relearn a whole new thing and obviously Wasps now as an entity don't exist either and neither do Worcester Warriors. So he'd, he'd have to be, you know, be learning on the fly for 10 months for, for nine games, essentially. Um, I mean, I think... The, the far more credible one and the one that a lot of people um, in the English rugby media would be quite keen on is Scott Robertson. Um, and I, and I, I met him a couple of times when he was here doing the barbarian stuff. And, and I, I can see why he's, a, you know, he's magnetic personality. Um, but I mean, for all the will in the world, it does seem as though it's going to be Leicester Tigers head coach, Steve Borthwick. What's your feeling on that? Because I had Martin Gillingham on the show on Monday and he his take on it was it's a step backwards. Uh, we need an international coach. Borthwick's one-dimensional. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with Martin, but then when you actually look at what he did at Leicester, which was a club that was in such a spiral in such a short space of time, it does it does speak volumes about what it is. And Steve, in my opinion is more of a modern day coach than, than Eddie was. Eddie came, comes from that kind of, you know, nineties, early noughties kind of background where the head coach did a bit of everything, if that makes sense. Like the head coach would, would be on the field and a lot more involved. Whereas now the head coach is, is kind of directing more things and has that more overarching role and, and maybe concentrates more on environment and things like that. Don't get me wrong. I know for a fact, Steve is still getting up on ladders to do line outs and things like that. And and that's obviously quite one-dimensional in itself. But, I mean, a former lock forward who loves line-outs, it, we've, we've heard that one before, haven't we? Um, and but I, I, I just love what he's done at Leicester. And for me, if he can bring even a small bit of that, whether that's bringing across some of the coaches or or something like that, that would elevate the England setup, I, I think he'd do a brilliant job. Um you know, he's got Kevin Sinfield, the former rugby league great, um, who, you know, is an absolute legend in this country for the money for, for the money he's raised for for research into MND. Like, I mean, the man will do a game with Leicester Tigers and then go run a marathon like the next day. And I've I've seen him running to get a train after a game at Welford Road to go do a marathon. And, you know, he brings with him a lot of culture from his times with Leeds, Leeds Rhinos where they ruled the roost in rugby league in this country. And then he's also got Richard Wigglesworth, a fantastic scrum half for England over the years, who is still, you know, a player coach. I think he's like 38, 39. Um, brilliant coaching mind. And then on top of that, he could bring in Alec Waters, the head of performance, who was involved with the Springboks when he won, 
you know, when they won a World Cup. So he can bring those things and then everything else outside of that just kind of gets guided towards it. Um, but it's one of those, isn't it? If England were to go to this bruising kind of line-out driven style, it's not a million miles away from what, you know, test rugby is these days anyway, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and then you add on the fact that he'd be able to choose a lot more players and, and kind of really make his own style of play quite concise to the test match arena. I think I, I think England could be on to a winner, but obviously it's like you say, he, he doesn't he doesn't really have that level of experience apart from you know being an assistant coach with Eddie with Japan and England. Yeah, I mean it's from an English point of view. I, I guess Borthwick can make sense in that he knows the players, he knows the system, right? Uh, bringing somebody like Robertson in now, who who maybe doesn't know the players so much, with only ten months to go, might be a bit more of a risk. But but I mean. Um, is there some? Is there any thought that this might be a short-term appointment to the World Cup, and then England regroup and figure out where, what direction they want to go in next, or if they make this appointment, it's going to have to be through to twenty twenty-seven? I think if if Borthwick was appointed, it'd have to be through to twenty twenty-seven because he, when he was first appointed at Leicester, and I remember this because it was in the you know it was in the midst of COVID and we were on Zoom calls and, and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd always say to him, if another job came up and, and, you know, as soon as, I think it was in 2021, when England had a relatively poor Six Nations, the question was put to him and it said, you know, if England came calling, would you want to go? And he said, no, I'm into it. I'm, I'm here for a project at Leicester. And obviously now they've won a premiership title, maybe that kind of thinking's changed a bit. Um, and I think he wants to be involved with the project. And he's, you know, he's proven in the premiership, don't get me wrong, test match level is a complete different animal. Um, if you end up with a Web Ellis, maybe if you end up, you know, with a Web Ellis, maybe it's not as hard as it looks. But, um, you know, he, I, I genuinely think he's got all the capabilities to, to do it and potentially take England to Australia uh, in 2027 as well. It's going to be uh, an interesting call what they do because I would have thought that once they pulled the trigger on Eddie Jones, that Borthwick was announced immediately. But it seems like they're they're having a think. So, do they have options? What do you think those options are? I know down here people are saying Scott Robertson's got a contract, you know, with the Crusaders for another season. But I mean, when you've got the deep pockets of the rugby union, I don't think uh, buying Scott Robertson out of the con- out of his contract is out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. Obviously, like with. With with Warren Gatland and Pivac, it was it was quite instantaneous, wasn't it? It was like you know Wayne's moved on, we've gone straight for Warren. Um, so for England, by all accounts from reporting that I've seen today in the Telegraph, the RFU did make contact with Leicester Tigers in order to negotiate terms for for Steve's release. Um, apparently, Tigers were also preparing for for other coaches to be approached by the RFU as well. Um, but in terms of other options, I mean, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, you, you look at other environments and you probably think there's two or three coaches that could maybe do it. With England, it's such a unique thing that you don't actually, it's quite, it's really quite difficult to say who could actually just step up and make it work and make it, you know, work on the fly. Um, I mean, obviously, Ronan O'Gara has talked about the La Rochelle head coach, took La Rochelle to a, to a Heineken Champions Cup um, last season. Um, but then obviously now he's, signed a, t- a contract with La Rochelle through to 2027 and talk about long-term building. Um, and yeah, I, I really struggled to be honest, to look outside of, of Steve, Scott Robertson, and then maybe even Richard Cockrell, who's obviously now taken on the role on an interim basis. Um, I think an outside shout, really outside shout would be the head coach of Northampton Saints as well, Sam Vesti, who, I mean, 
that attack that they have is nothing short of absolutely mesmeric in my opinion um so if he was if you know he's another option but in terms of in terms of you know coaches from further afield I, I personally I really struggle to see who could just come to an environment like England and really thrive really quickly yeah I mean I, I suppose the one that maybe in a, in a way got away from England was Andy Farrell right and he signed with Ireland through to 2025 so he's one that they may have missed out on Oh, big time! I mean, I mean, you look at that. <laughs> you look at that island team, and obviously, I, I'm sure I, I don't want to make you relive too many horrible memories of <laughs> you know, over the summer. Um, well, sorry, the, the winter for you. But um, you know, you look at the way that his team's organised. That defence in particular is scary. Um, and I've, I've watched it in person a couple of times, and I'm still, you know, get mem- I still get frightened a bit by it. Um, uh, he he really was one that that went missing, and obviously after 2015, with all the fallout of you know leaving a home World Cup at a, at a group stage, it really did feel like all those coaches were sort of tainted. But now you look at Andy Farrell, head coach of of Ireland, then also you look at Graham Rountree, who's now the head coach of Munster. It's almost like the RFU are a bit scared to go back to that because there are such memories in both of that World Cup. Um, but honestly, for me, I think if Andy was was available in 2025. Or if he was able to have been negotiated out of 2023, he would have been a great option. Um, but it's like I say, I mean, Steve Borthwick leaving the England setup, getting that Leicester Tigers job and doing such a great job, it, it does seem to be the one that makes the most sense. I know, I know I'm kind of repeating myself and I'm banging a bit of a drum here, but it always felt like Borthwick was going to be the one. Or maybe, you know, for a while it felt like John Mitchell was going to be the one when he was defence coach there. Um, but now, you know, he's got probably quite a good gig with Japan. Um, so, yeah, it's hard. But Farrell definitely was one that got away, especially when you look at what the Ireland team are doing, number one in the world, you know, unbeatable. Um, whether or not they peak too soon, who knows? You're out from the World Cup. Yeah, well, we will see. We will see. Proof will be in the pudding come September. Joe, thanks very much for jumping on with us last minute, having a chat. Really appreciate your time, mate, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Have a good rest of the day. Yeah, will do. Joe Harvey there with us, freelance sports journalist out of the UK, at Joe Harvey 34 You can follow him on Twitter.